Welcome, everyone, to episode 509 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm Corey. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, it's been a while since we've recorded an episode. I realized the last time we had recorded is about April. Uh, what's going to be our topic for today, Corey? Uh, well, I wanted to talk mostly about Hard Space Ship Breaker, uh, Game Pass game. I feel bad calling it a Game Pass game because it's a, it's a game on its own without being attached to Game Pass. Um, but that's how I play it. Um, and I also think we're going to cover some other Game Pass gems. Um, I've been playing an insane amount of Game Pass over the last maybe year or so. So uh-huh. uh, lots to talk about there. And I also got a Steam Deck. So nice. uh, new, con- not new console also worth talking about. Um, but yeah, mostly uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker is what was the inspiration behind the the episode. Whenever I... I find a game I, I can't put down. I kind of want to talk about it a little bit and uh, don't always get that opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, we have a lot to talk about with, you know, uh, with our weeks, I guess, because it's been, you know, our past few months. So we're going to be talking a little bit about House of the Dragon. Corey, I think you wanted to talk about the Rings of Power. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, just cover it all. Yeah. Get, get everyone caught up. Uh, yeah, we did not uh, give up on the podcast, of course. We just, uh, it's hard now to find a good time to record, right? Indeed, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. In the in the midst of all our other life's priorities, like finding time to sit down for an hour and a half to do this is, <laughs> is challenging, uh, yeah. to say the least. And most of it is, um, at least, I don't know if this is the case with you, Dan, but at least with me, it's it's me being a diva. Like I can suck it up and you know do a podcast on a weeknight, but like again, in the midst of all our priorities, it's just hard to to find some time to do this. But um, indeed, so but we're gonna try to get back to recording as often as we can. Well, got to get Will back on. Yeah, uh, we'd like to. That's that's the idea. Well, I, I the only reason I hesitate when you say that is because uh, how many times have you said that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like it's never. I know. Uh, but when the inspiration strikes, you know, we're we're still here for it, and yep. uh, certainly haven't given up. So anyway, let's hear about Shipbreaker. Hard space. Hard shipbreaker. Sp- hard space shipbreaker. Okay, let's hear about it. So I do the thing when I'm looking for a new game to play. Uh, first thing I'll look at is Game Pass, uh, just to see what's on there. I have an Xbox Series X. Um, I don't like spending a ton of money on games, but I have the Game Pass subscription, so I try to maximize the amount of enjoyment I can get out of that. Um, and what I do is I see what's on there, and because I'm like out of the loop with games, I don't really know anything about these games anymore unless I like seek it out in the moment so i'll see that a new game was added um if the cover looks interesting to me in the genre and the details and everything about it sounds good then i'll uh, do a quick google search to see what the reviews are and if they're halfway decent then i'll download it uh no guarantee i'm going to play it after that um it just sits on my system until i get sick of whatever else i'm playing and then i'll i'll boot it up and, and give it a try that way so hard space shipbreaker was exactly one of those games i think it's also on steam yeah, I just saw um, that it's on Steam. And I think it also has an overwhelmingly positive review score on Steam, which for me is also a really good sign that I'll enjoy a game. I don't think I, there's ever been an overwhelmingly positive reviewed Steam game that uh, I didn't enjoy. Sorry, I take a sip of my coffee there. Um, So the setup for this game is it's set in the year 2030-something, or 2300-and-something. 
Um, so 300 years into the future. The it kind of has a outer worlds vibe, like a corporate takeover of space, um, and you're basically just a drone, um, an indentured servant more or less. You you apply for this job. Uh, this is all cinematics at the beginning of the game. You apply for this job to be a shipbreaker in space, and what that is is somebody who flies around in zero gravity and just dismantles an old spaceship. Um. When you get the job, you sign the contract and you can actually read the terms and conditions. And it's like the length of a normal terms and conditions when you use a software prod product that you have to check the box and say, <laughs> I agree to all these terms. But you read through it and it's like the most uh, crazy things. Like basically the corporation called Lynx Corporation that hires you uh, basically owns every aspect of your being, including your genetic sequencing and has the right to like, it says things like right to terminate your life at a moment's notice. Like just you're, you're signing your life over. Yeah. Um, and then on your first day, they take you in to uh, do the cloning, whatever, where they process you or whatever, but they don't tell you like in that moment, they're basically just killing you and rebuilding your body uh, out in space. And then you have all these daily backups that they're doing of you. Um, in order to give you a second life if you die. So that's the kind of story excuse for what happens when you die, is it's just re-downloading your consciousness into a new gotcha. a new meat bag, if you will. Um, but it's funny because when you wake up the next day, you get the bill for all the services. So even though you, this employer hired you, they charge you an arm and a leg. There's like all these fees to the point where um, your debt, when you come out on the other side of all of the onboarding that you do your debt is like a trillion dollars or something like that <laughs> and they they nickel and dime you for everything uh -huh. um so being this shipbreaker, you need a spacesuit and all that stuff and they charge you daily rental fees and it's just like a ridiculous amount of money it's like uh one and a half million dollars every day just to just for the pleasure of working for the company you uh -huh. know um never mind any profits or anything that you get so you get this job, they boot you out into space, uh, you live basically on your own, although there's a network of other salvager, salvagers that you communicate with through a headset, um, so they kind of keep you company as you're going through your day-to-day, -day. but yeah, the gameplay loop is um, every day you wake up in your little space habitat, which is really cool for people who uh, have a passion for space, it's just neat to kind of live out in a, in a shuttle in the middle of space in a salvage yard. Um, and you go out uh, with your spacesuit on and fly around in zero gravity and, and dismantle ships every day. Uh, and there's a 15-minute time limit, so every day is about 15 minutes, uh, which is perfect if you're one of those people who likes to kind of meter your gameplay and not have to have these crazy long game sessions to feel accomplished. Um, it's nice that you could do one day in, in 15 minutes and still feel like you got some stuff done. Um, but all you're doing is dismantling ships, uh, moving parts from... Uh, from the ship to one of three vessels, more or less, that are floating around you in space. Um, because it's zero gravity, like that's where the gameplay challenge comes in. Because it's really um, conscientious, conscientious of physics and how careful you need to be when you're doing that kind of job. You have two tools, um, at least to start. I'm, I imagine there's more just on the user interface, but as of right now, I only have two. Uh, one of them is a cutter, and the other is a grappling hook. So the cutter cuts through metal, 
So if you need to dismantle steel beams or stuff like that, um, you can cut through them that way. And then the other tool, the grappling hook, allows you to, once you've released hunks of the ship, you can pull it away. And then um, it also has like a force push kind of thing. So you can grapple it in and then use a gravity push to push it into um, the furnace if it's just scrap metal or uh, the tunnel for processing if it's something a little more valuable. And then there's also a barge for anything that um, could be, uh, has more value on the ship that's smaller. Things like computer systems and stuff like that, you can pull those out and drop them onto the barge and then um, get paid out that way. So that's what you're doing. You're dismantling ships and they're paying you to do it. Um, you have those heavy fees every day, and then there's like an interest fee too. So they're really charging you an arm and a leg, and you you break even almost every day if you have a bad day. Um, but most days you're getting a little bit ahead, but still it's this massive amount of debt that it just never feels like you're gonna you're gonna pay down. Um, what I really enjoy about it is first of all the storytelling. Like I love that setup of signing your life over to this company yeah. that discharges you and who knows who knows where it's going to end <laughs> like you feel like a slave essentially um but it's such a fun uh gameplay loop like the dismantling of ships is so therapeutic and just um also challenging in that i i i have no idea what real hard space ship breaking is like <clears throat> but i really hope that if it's anything like this video game um that I get to do it someday because uh -huh. it's such a blast just floating around in space, just dismantling these ships, finding valuable parts. Um, you're also advancing the story by the discussions of the people around you, but you never really meet them. Um, they just come in over the radio and they give you tips and um, will kind of work together towards building this union. That's kind of pushing back against all this nonsense that's going on. Um, but also, you get your own ship to repair. I don't know where that goes, but what you're doing is when you're salvaging the ship, you're finding parts to repair your own ship. Uh, but you're not supposed to do that, so every time you take a part from the ship you're salvaging, you get charged a fee for that because it can no longer be... Um, you can no longer get the value from it from processing it. Uh, there's also little like data drives and stuff you can discover in the ships that kind of reveal more about the greater lore of the universe of what's going on. Um, because it's this corporate dystopic future, there's obviously a lot of propaganda and the truth isn't always getting out. So those data drives you find scattered on those ships is one way um, that you can find out what's going on in the in the greater world. Sorry, my mouth is really dry. <laughs> That's fine. So it's been a, it's one been a while thing, since I've talked about these games. Yeah, one thing you mentioned uh, that that piqued my interest was the kind of the the realistic space physics, right? And that yes. was one of the things that I really liked about Outer Wilds was, you know, you have this idea or the way movies portray like stuff happening in space, but that's like not how it works. You know, you have yeah. to take into effect your your momentum and stuff when you're when you're in space. You could blast yourself off into space and and be trapped. You know. Yes. So, uh, that was one one thing I really liked about Outer Wilds. 
So yeah, so the that realism is definitely there. I mean, I'm not a physicist, uh, of course, but um, it it it's exactly that. Like you can pull. I can't tell you how many times I've pulled like a computer system off a deck or something, and then reeled it in with the grappling hook, but reeled it in too fast to the point where it smacks me in the helmet and cracks my helmet open, and I yeah. die. Yep. Uh, like just stupid stuff like that. But I mean, that's what's so enjoyable about it is you're doing this relatively simple kind of mindless job but it's I, I mean i guess it's just like working on a construction site as soon as you kind of lose your, your train of thought like you're a hazard out there yeah. to yourself and to people around you uh because it, is it simple for the most part yeah but if you're not careful and thinking about what you're doing you can cause a, a massive uh, malfunction yeah. which one of my favorite uh aspects of the game are the nuclear reactors that you get to remove uh from the ships and there are different levels of difficulty associated with them. I'm up to the level two difficulty nuclear reactor. We actually have to uh, disable thrusters and um, clear out the cryo tubes or something like that. Like there's this whole process you need to go through before you can remove the nuclear reactor. But um, they're the bane of my existence. So I talked about how sometimes I reel things in too quickly. They crack me in the head. I've done that probably four or five times with a nuclear reactor. I think it's just the weight of them. They're a little bit heavier. So once you start reeling them in, it takes more momentum to slow them down. And if you don't think about that before you start reeling it in, it's too late. And if you don't, if you can't dodge it in time, it'll crack you and kill you. But uh, they're also electrically charged. So if you get too close, too close to them, they'll shock you. And I got killed that way. Um, once, as soon as you start pulling it out of where it's located in the ship, you have a certain amount of time before it. Uh, there's a nuclear meltdown and it basically explodes. Um, so a lot of times I'll be digging through the ship, cutting through metal, pulling things out, and I'll see it and I'll not realize it's a nuclear reactor and I'll start to pull on it and then uh, not have an exit strategy for how to get it out of the ship. If I'm like deep into the bowels of the ship and I haven't built a path to get out of the ship... Um, to dispose of it in time that's happened a bunch of times where i've like pulled it out and all of a sudden i have this nuclear reactor just loose in the ship with no way to get it out uh quickly enough so I'll, like scramble to rip a panel off a wall and and cut through metal and stuff to get it out in time but it's exploded on me that way a few times um so there's that i mean there's also uh pressurization and depressurization so you can go into a ship and pressurize it um and start working on it that way from the inside. The benefit to doing that is you don't lose oxygen. Um, you can still you can still breathe that air, even though there's no gravity, it's still breathable. So you don't lose oxygen, because uh, that's another aspect of the game, is you have to manage your res resources in your suit and make sure the suit's repaired, thrusters have fuel, um, oxygen's good, all those things. But you can forget that you're in a pressurized environment, right? And cut a hunk of metal that leads to an unpressurized environment and just get sucked out and get killed that way. That's happened a bunch of times to me too. Um, again, it's something simple, but if you're not thinking about it and you're just mindlessly cutting through chambers and stuff like that, and you go into a depressurized area from a pressurized area, uh, you get screwed that way. Um, so that's all the gameplay stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's highly, highly addicting. Um, which is one of the things I love about it. The other thing is the story I mentioned. Um, they're also really good at the tutorial aspect, like walking you through the game without being too in your face about it. Uh, and there's one character that talks to you a lot. His name is Weaver. 
and the way they position certain messaging from that character is really effective. Early on, there's a moment where like they're first showing you what to do and it seems impossibly difficult. But that character says something like, oh, don't worry about it. I know it seems tough at first, but you'll be a pro in no time or something like that. And he said it at just the right moment where I'm like, all right, like somebody who developed this game clearly wants me to know that even though I'm feeling frustrated right now, I'm going to pick it up really quickly. Right. Sure enough, that was the case. Like it was just perfect timing with that messaging. Um, and that to me is just like awesome gameplay development. You know, like somebody acknowledged in this moment, a lot of people are going to be frustrated. Let's hit them with some positive um, feedback so that they don't get discouraged and will continue to play. So whoever's in charge of that, um, great job. And there are a couple other instances where that character says things like, um, there's also tethers. So part of the grappling hook uh, functionality are tethers. So if there's a huge piece of material that you can't move with your grappling hook because it's too heavy, um, you can tether it. So you put one end of the tether to the piece of material you need to move and the other end into wherever you need to send it, whether it's the salvage furnace or the um, the processing yard, and then you can just pull it that way. Uh, but they're kind of confusing at first. But again, this character says something like, don't forget tethers are your friend and again with the timing of it and just yeah um the the challenge of using the tethers like combining those two and just realizing all right i need to remember that tethers are your friend and then once you figure the tethers out they're super easy and they make your life so much easier so uh yeah tethers are your friend um i don't have much more to say but the one the other thing i wanted to add is there's this part of me that hopes like Secretly, there's some uh, shadow organization operating out in space that I'm actually doing work for, uh -huh. you know, like playing this video game, because it's just like a drone operator, right? Like sitting in the comfort of their their living room, uh, operating a drone somewhere in some far off country. You know, it's just like, why wouldn't that be the case? You yeah, know, the physics neat. are so real. Why couldn't I hold a controller and be controlling some avatars somewhere in space and, and dismantling <laughs> these ships? That would be really awesome yeah um but yeah it's just it's such a different game um which i think is what i like so much about it. i've been playing a ton of like tactical rpgs yeah. and open world rpgs and and you know first person shooters and all the popular genres so it's nice to have something that's uh totally totally out there but also like a whole lot of fun and really well polished um it's just a, an amazing <clears throat> game i mean there's there's a definitely a market for that sort of thing i think i think you know, when when you're talking about the the gameplay loop and and stuff, it it, it sounds like uh, a, a game I tried actually over the summer, which was uh, lawn mowing simulator or power wash simulator. There's there's a, a, a market for that that sort of repetitive but also kind of rewarding at the same time type of game. This this sounds a little more uh, a little more well polished than something like that. You know, with the the whole story aspect of it and stuff, but. Yes, yeah. definitely. And you're right. Um, all those simulator games, like same same kind of genre, but I think the difference is the polish mm. and the storytelling. Um, it just I, I don't even know who made it. Uh, is it somebody familiar? Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to hear that. I didn't didn't look it up. I'll tell you. It was Blackbird Interactive was the developer. I've heard of them. Published by Focus Entertainment. Focus. Also okay. came out in 2020. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you, you've you've convinced me to uh, at least wish list it 
um, and and hopefully give it a try at some point. I'm not currently subscribed to Game Pass because I've only kind of been playing the same like two games right now, and I've got another one coming out next week. So um, that's definitely something I'll I'll be interested in. <clears throat> Actually, I want to uh, ye- see how much it costs. Yeah, if you if you have Game Pass, like it's a no brainer. Please just right. download it and try it. I told um, you guys in our group chat, like even if you just want to play through the tutorial, just to see the setup and and see what the game is about. Like, uh, not saying you know it's only worth playing through for the tutorial, but just to see if you'll like it. Like one hundred percent, just at least give the tutorial a try. Um, and if you're not charmed by the end of that, then you know certainly don't bother. But uh, I, yeah, I. I find it hard to believe that 80% of people that try the tutorial wouldn't go on and play the rest of the game. That's how good I feel about it. Right. Uh, so it's thirty four ninety nine on Steam. So uh, it's kind of the, the premium indie price. So I will definitely wishlist it and and uh, maybe get it at a less less busy time. Yeah. Um, Blackbird Interactive did Homeworld, Deserts of Karak, Project okay. Eagle. Minecraft Earth, Hard Space, Hard Space Shipbreaker. Oh, Minecraft. Oh, Earth. I'm sorry, Dan. It came out early access 2020. It came out full full release this year. Okay. Uh, Crossfire nice. Legion. They're working on Minecraft Legends and Homeworld Three. Interesting. Yeah, Minecraft Legend is is a uh, a strategy game. Oh, neat. it seems like kind of kind of like like uh, real t- real time strategy, kind of like. Uh, Age of Empires. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about that you've played and, and been enjoying uh, on Game Pass? I know you've, you've mentioned a few a few titles. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, we could do we could do hours upon hours of discussion <laughs> of the Game Pass games that I played. Um, I want to call up the library and just like walk through these. I'm gonna I'll rapid fire throw out like the ones I've spent. A ton of hours on uh-huh. just because maybe some of these recommendations would be useful to other people um i'm a huge game pass proponent uh the big discussion on twitter this week about game pass i guess they released some revenue numbers for game pass um which some people extrapolated to mean profit but profit it's different than revenue so right. be careful when you do that analysis uh i know playstation fans love to say there's no way game pass is profitable um, to which Xbox fans say it's definitely profitable, to which uh, just a normal human would say, who really cares? It's a gift to all of us from Microsoft. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you know, like, that's their problem to figure out. I'm not worried about it. Um, all right. So, actually, um, one that came out this week is Scorn on Game Pass. It's a horror game, first-person horror game, uh, mostly puzzle. It's not like a twitchy um, action game. But I did start that last night with the with the wife on the couch. So that's another um, great feature of Game Pass is the streaming functionality. We have the Xbox app on our Samsung TV, and we just open up that app. Bluetooth Xbox controller connects right to the TV, and then I stream Game Pass games from the TV without even needing to install anything. It's just it's this crazy fantasy land that we live in <laughs> sure <laughs> that, that our child the child versions of us are just flabbergasted by um that i could just turn on my tv and play xbox games on it without did, doing really anything did i hear correctly and that they announced game pass is coming to the steam deck 
Uh, you can get Game Pass on the Steam Deck, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll have a, a deeper conversation about the Steam Deck, but um, as of right now, you kind of have to sideload it through uh, browser um, Microsoft Edge. You have to get like Microsoft Edge going on the Steam Deck in order to do it. I haven't done it yet, but I will do it um, for sure because gotcha. there's just too much to play on there. And I want to play um, Age of Empires 4. I still haven't played that. And right. It's a PC-only Game Pass thing. Well, if you could stream that, you'd be able to stream it on your laptop, right? Uh, I don't think you can stream it. Okay. Oh, that's not a streaming. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, at least it wasn't when it first came out. That might have changed since. I'm I'm not sure, but I don't think gotcha. it is. Um, Grounded is another game that we played last night on the couch a little bit. Uh, action adventure game where a puzzle action action adventure game where you get shrunk to a little itty bitty person and it's like honey i shrunk the kids in the backyard uh -huh. uh, that game's also really good um death loop is one that came out i think that's been out on playstation for a while playstation and or just pc playstation and pc know. yeah um, but now that's on game pass that game's worth playing uh what else what else what else what else i wish i'm on the game pass website i wish they would just do it alphabetically yeah that would make things a lot uh, easier yeah right it's like weird west is one that i played um that i don't really remember but i know that i know that i liked it wasteland 3 did you ever end up end up playing wasteland 3 yeah i played maybe 10 or 15 hours of wasteland 3 i yeah, liked it a, it's a good modern crpg yep um i haven't played the unravel games but i've heard good things about those undertale obviously is on there that's a good retro rpg indie retro rpg worth playing through at least once mm -hmm. uh tunic is a game that i had a bad first experience with but i know is a really good game um kind of a zelda clone will swears by it yep um my experience with that game was i was stuck in the very beginning because i'm stupid but um <laughs> so i fully admit it's my own fault but when you're stuck in a video game yeah doing look looking around in one spot for like two hours because everyone says this game is amazing and you, you need to keep playing it uh it's just kind of like beating my head against the wall uh this war of mine is on there that's a game we've all loved all the walking dead games uh, Outer Worlds is a game that came up on this episode. That's definitely worth playing if you like. Oh, Outer Outer Wilds. Oh, you talked about Outer Both. Worlds. Both. Yeah. Both are on Game Pass. Yeah, that's the way um, I played Outer Outer Wilds. Uh, was was on Game Pass. Yep. Uh, Rift Breakers is one of those genre all the genres in one game. I really loved that game. I yeah, played a ton of that. We had an episode on that. Yep. Earlier in the year, uh, if you want to go back and listen. Uh, of course, Elder Scrolls Online, Skyrim, Morrowind, all on there. The Dungeon of Nahalbuk, the Amulet of Chaos, Chicken Edition. Uh, one of those, uh, what would you compare it to? Like a Baldur's Gate kind of clone, I guess. Uh -huh. um, that's great. Terraria, of course. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, the new Ninja Turtles game. It's a, sort of a Super Nintendo uh, callback. Oh, man. There's just so much. Stardew Valley, obviously. I did try Star Wars Squadrons. I wasn't crazy about that. Um, just not really my type of game. 
Battlefronts, obviously on there. Uh, Solasta, Crown of the Magister, another like um, Baldur's Gate type game. Uh huh. Slay the Spire, card building, role playing game that I put a ton of time in. So all these games I'm bringing up, I've put like a bunch of time into. I'm not just randomly throwing them out there, uh, just to kind of show the value that I've gotten from Game Pass. This is not a paid ad, by the way. Uh-huh. Yeah, we don't do paid ads over here. No. Although we would if we were offered. <laughs> we probably would, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else is on here? Octopath Traveler, uh, Oblivion, Nobody Saves the World as Will, that one that Will would certainly be behind. I, I enjoyed what I played of that. No Man's Sky, Nino Kuni, the first one is on there. I actually started playing that again. Uh, just because it's a cool RPG and I'm a Studio Ghibli fan. Oops. I don't want to buy Minecraft. I clicked something. Um, Moonglow Bay is one I've talked about on this oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, that's what I really want to try. Yeah, you'd like that, Dan. Minecraft Dungeons I haven't really tried, but I know that's a good... I played that a little bit. It's fun. Middle Middle Earth, Shadow of War, if you like Lord of the Rings and like like the uh open world Orc Slaying Playground, I think is how we've always referred to it. The Mass Effect games and, and also um We described it as Assassin's Creed Middle Earth. Yes. Exactly. Um Lawn Mowing Simulator is on there. I, I did I played that over the summer for I don't know, maybe ten, twelve hours. I'm trying to remember your glory days. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it was familiar. It, it takes two. Uh, that's a great co-op game to play if you got somebody to play it with. Uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising. That's an Assassin's Creed clone kind of game uh, set in... Or no, it's more like... Um, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah. Uh, set in, in Greek... Ancient Greek uh, themes. Halo Infinite... I mean, I could go on and on and on. Yeah, uh, you gave a good list after all these. But I think um, we talked a little bit about like, is it profitable? Yada yada yada. I think their sweet spot are finding really great indie games, uh, and the reason for that is I imagine those licensing deals are a little bit easier to strike if you find an indie developer and say, "Hey, I'll give you three million bucks if you let me throw this game up on your game up on Game Pass." Yeah. To an indie developer, that's life changing potentially. Right. Um, so for them, it's an easy yes. Whereas these bigger studios, you know, $3 million isn't going to go very far. Probably a little bit more expensive to get their games on there. Um, and for someone who really values indie games, like I still, don't get me wrong, I still enjoy the, the AAA um, releases that come out. But I, I also like to see, you know, what's new and different in, in these games and what yeah. new ideas are people bringing to the table. Um, so I'm more apt to try these kinds of games and see how great they are, whereas other people might be a little more hesitant to try games they haven't heard of. So I'm glad you, you do, do that. Game Pass, yeah, definitely try different things that you wouldn't <clears throat> play otherwise. I'm glad you do that, Corey, because I, I play it safe for the most part, um, but that's in large part because I, I, I buy all my games that I'm not currently subscribed to Game Pass. Uh, not a lot of extra time, but it's good to know that you... you you like to try a lot of the different things because you give us recommendations all the time, you know? So, well, you, you use the, the magic word and that's time. Um, yeah, I probably have, I probably have a lot more free time than, uh, you guys do. 
um, being a 35 year old man without any kids is, uh, it's a a good time for for having free time. You know, it's like, uh, I could, I can make my schedule, you know, my, my wife keeps me busy with things, uh, Uh social things. Whereas if it, if it were up to me, I would be home all the time playing video games, but, um, I can also just make that happen uh, as an adult. I keep saying that to my wife. Like every now and again, we'll be sitting on the couch and I'll look at each. We'll look at each other and I'll be like, "Isn't it? Isn't it great being a being an adult? <laughs> you know, like I still feel like a little kid sometimes. Right? Yeah. It's like, wow, I could do whatever I want right now, and nobody's yeah. gonna tell me otherwise. <laughs> it's amazing. Nice. All right. Well, uh, do we want to get into some of the other stuff you've you've played over the past uh, notables that you've played over the past couple months? Um, Far Cry Five definitely. I put a good maybe ten hours into that. Game's pretty pretty crazy and yeah. fun. Yeah, um, I like Far Cry Five. Also on Game Pass. So if you're looking for something just mindless and and just a blast, uh, that's easy to pick up and, and very entertaining. Go for Far Cry Five. Uh, it's Ubi. That's Ubisoft, right? Yep. The is it Montreal or which whatever? I just I gotta give them credit. Um, of Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Assassin's Creed Odyssey were two of my favorite games over the last uh, handful of years. And then playing Far Cry 5, uh, they just like they just understand game development, you know, Uh, which is probably an understatement. And I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of haters are like, what are you talking about? They don't know anything about it. I know there were a lot of people annoyed with the RPG trilogy of Assassin's Creed. They thought they should go back to their roots, yada, yada, yada. That's all fine. Like, people are allowed to feel that way. But uh, just as kind of like an outsider who just, I don't know, I don't really play games to learn about them and and uh, communicate about them anymore. I just play them just because that's what I enjoy to do. Yeah. Um, they just, they really understand game development and and it's so easy to pick up any of those games and play them and everything's so intuitive and well thought out and carefully crafted and polished. And they're just really, really impressive games. And I wanted to give them a little bit of credit. Um, There are no barriers to entry with their games, you know, difficult tutorials, uh, clunky controls, like none of that, that stuff doesn't exist with, with their games. So yeah, um, not anymore. Assassin's, anymore, Creed, right. Assassin's Creed used to be very clunky, but uh, yes. they've done a good job with it. I totally agree with that. But yeah, over the last five years or so, they've they've been nailing it, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I've also been playing Symphony of War, uh, the Nephilim saga. So I ordered my Steam Deck a long time ago, beginning of the year, I think. And it said all along, oh, it'll ship in Q3. Um, I think it did end up ultimately coming at the start of Q3, um, even though they said I would get it a little bit earlier. Uh, But all this year, there was one game on Steam that I've been really wanting to play, and it's this Symphony of War game, um, developed, again, by an indie developer. I don't know. I think they might have had, like, one or two games to their credit before this one. Um, So relatively small, relatively new developer. It's kind of like a Fire Emblem clone, um, but it's it has a lot of depth to it in that you are like upgrading character classes and giving them equipment, um, and like unlocking technology tree kind of stuff. Uh, so a lot of depth, even though the art style is like Super Nintendo era graphics, maybe Nintendo sixty four era, whatever you want to um, call it. Um, but yeah, just another one of those 
very addictive gameplay loops that I can't put down. Um, I probably have at least 40 hours into that game. Um, another overwhelmingly positive reviewed game on Steam. I'm just really, really digging it, and it's perfect for the Steam Deck. Uh, so just want to get a little bit deep into deeper into the Steam Deck? Yeah, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> um, I honestly, I'm not, I don't feel like well equipped to talk about hardware. So I'm not really going to be able to speak to that all that well. Um, I will say I'm questioning the purchase. Uh-huh. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. And for people who play a ton of PC games, it's probably a good option. But for me, I don't like to spend a ton of money on games. Um, I haven't installed Game Pass, so that's like I'm still waiting to do that. And then once I get that figured out and installed, you know, my opinion might change. But I don't have a lot of old PC games that I bought that I really have a desire to go back and play, even though I have um, like over 200 games in my Steam library. Like any of the ones I I would would have wanted to play, I've already put hundreds of hours into. Um, and then some of them I just have no interest in going back to play. So anything I want to play, I have to buy separately. Uh, and there just hasn't really been anything that I've wanted to buy. So I've played Symphony of War on it a lot. Um, and then I also played one Rocket League match, which I hated. Uh, I missed the higher resolution. And there seemed to be like a little bit of input lag. I don't know if that was internet or device related. Um, but just wasn't a great experience uh, mm -hmm. for my very very sensitive rocket league sessions um i have to be in front of my nice monitor on my series x sure um playing that just because of the competitive aspect to it there's there's no room for error when it yeah comes to that. i understand uh and then i played a little skyrim um maybe about six hours worth of the skyrim i i actually had a really bad cold this week and had to take a couple sick days i couldn't even sit up at my computer to work um so i took a couple sick days and just laid on the couch and played with my steam deck uh skyrim was fine it's a special edition i installed a bunch of mods uh -huh. um still holds up that's still a great game uh just all it really did i don't know if i'll go back to it but it got me really excited for starfield and elder scrolls 6 um starfield really got pushed to wait. next year right yeah i don't even think there's a hard date it's just 2023 sometime oh, okay because i i think they didn't they initially give a hard date for this fall and then pushed it back yeah, and I I had a day in my calendar this week that I had blocked off, and I couldn't figure out why. And that's the only reason I can think of, is it was Starfield's original release date. Yeah, that could be. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, so super excited for those. Uh, go, yeah, just going back to the Steam Deck, I think like the thing that jumps out the most is the amount of inputs I'm I'm holding right now, Dan. Uh -huh. I don't know if you can, if you can see it. But, oh, yeah. Um, it's got your two thumbsticks like a controller, and then it has like two thumb pads that mm -hmm. are like you can use them like mouse pads. Yeah. And then the screen is a touch screen. So there's very there's a lot of ways to uh interface with whatever game you're playing, which is important because not every game are is compatible. In fact, most games are not compatible. Um Steam does a good job of rating the compatibility. It says like fully compatible, partially compatible, not compatible. Uh, but even the games that say, like, not compatible, you kind of got to open it up to see. You have to install it and play it to see what might not be compatible. Right. Um, 
but a lot of the games are like partially compatible and all that really means is you can mostly play the game just fine but you might need to tap the screen from time to time to like accept terms and conditions or something right. like that for instance um like the skyrim special edition is considered partially compatible the only reason for that is because it has to uh, start with a launcher before it opens the game and in that launcher you can't use the controller you have to tap the play button that's right. it so even yeah. though it, it's not rated playable it's playable even right. though there's one thing you have to do that you can't use the controller for um i know very little about the specs i don't i sent them to you dan maybe maybe you have an opinion there but uh, i think it's really cool to have a, a you know a portable computer uh, in my hands uh it it's probably has a use case outside of gaming i'd be curious to see what other people are are using them for oh, I'm sure you can install windows if you want i mean it's it's a it 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 is a portable computer that you can do all of the windows things if you want you can uh it boots into steam os which is just like an operating system based all around steam i can open chrome from within steam os so i have a browser if i want but you can also just boot it into linux and then it's a linux kind of shell um i know i'm probably not using the right terminology there but uh really really neat device very sleek very responsive i have no issues with the user interface any of those kinds of things um, everything seems to function really well. I think, again, the one aspect of it that just doesn't really jive with me is the fact that I have to pay for these games. Right. Which is kind of a first world problem. You well, know? Like, I mean, you uh, do, do you have access to the to the Steam Share library too? So like mine and Will's games? Because I have um, a few newer games on there that you might be interested in playing, like Stray. Yeah, I think I would need to log in again. Um, on this specific device okay. in order to do that. But that, I mean, that's a part of it. It's a fully functioning Steam. You can stream to and from the device. Like, I could stream if I wanted to. I could turn this on and stream the game to my TV um, and play it on my TV if I wanted. So, the, a lot of functionality built in there as well. But um, only one input, there's one USB C input. Which seems a little weird, uh, because this the device is so highly functional. Otherwise, it seems weird to only have one input, um, but it seems to handle a lot of things. I was reading you can use a USB-C hub. Okay, um, I was just going to ask then, you that because yeah, I need one then, of those for my laptop. Yeah, and then you can plug multiple devices into that hub, which can all be uh, facilitated through the Steam Deck at the same time. So that's nice. Bluetooth inputs too. So if you just have a Bluetooth mouse and keyboard, you can you can install it that way. Um, that works just fine too. There is a dock. Dock comes separate. Dock's 90 bucks or something like that. I don't know that I need a dock. Um, be, just because the resolution is like 1200 by 800 or something like that. And there's really no reason for me to blow that up on a bigger screen. In fact, I would probably like it less. Um, so for that reason, I think it's better for a certain kind of game. Like mm. I'm not going to get Starfield for my Steam Deck. Right. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to get it for Xbox first of all, on Game Pass. Yeah. So it's going to be free anyway on Game Pass. But I'm going to play it on my Series X because that's where the the juice is. Yeah. Um. At least I think you would agree with that, right? Based on the specs. Oh, definitely. The Steam Deck only does 1200 by 800. Yeah, I mean that's um, how that's how you're gonna want to play Starfield in you know 4K at 
60 frames. I, I'm sure most of the games on the Steam Deck are 60 frames. I didn't look at like the resolution or the um, refresh rate of the screen, but it's probably probably 60. Yep. It is 60. Yep. Um, there are ways to boost that. You can get up to 120, I guess. Um, I don't know. Actually, uh, now that I say that, I'm like, does the screen actually display 120 or can it just? Probably just the games play at 120. Games can play at 120. I'm not. I'm not sure on that. Uh, there, but there's. I mean, it's Steam and it's a PC and it's highly modular. Um, just go to the Steam Deck Reddit threads and see all the crazy stuff people are doing with them. Um, the battery life is decent, but to your point about resolution, yeah, resolution and uh, frame rate. Uh, obviously, if you're playing at 60 frames per second, battery's going to die a lot quicker than if you're playing at 30 frames per second. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think it's a great device. I'm just not sure if it's for me yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it'll hold its value really, really well. I, I, don't, I don't... Part of me wonders uh, with the coming apocalypse if I'm going to have like this piece of gold on me, like this portable <laughs> handheld computer that's going to sure. be like highly sought after maybe because they're still relatively rare um not a lot of people have them yet uh, but yeah. i know it's getting more and more popular so yeah i'm 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 very optimistic and positive about it it's just answering that question of of is it for me i'm not sure yet sure well nice Oh, one last thing I thought was cool. I didn't even know this was possible. That USB-C is uh, an input, but it's also an output. Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. So I use it to charge my phone sometimes. The, yeah, the Switch is the same way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because it outputs video. I never knew that. Yeah. I'm a dink. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, I'll cover the games that I've been playing. Uh, recently and then we'll get into our you know our past few months anyway yeah uh live alive or live alive oh yeah i'm not even sure how you pronounce it but that's a it's a it's an old rpg that was japan only it was on the super nintendo that they kind of remastered for the switch uh, and re-released it uh, i really like live alive i'm not quite done with it yet uh i put in a uh a big push when I first got it, but then something else came out and, 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 uh, I don't remember what, but it kind of pushed it to the side for me for, Oh, it was cult of the lamb came out shortly after. Uh, so I, I started focusing on cult of the lamb, but it's a, it's really interesting. So there's, uh, eight different stories that the, that the game tells that all kind of get tied together and they takes place in different historical times. Like there's one part that takes place in, in a Western, uh, there's one play, one part that takes place in the current day. There's one part that takes place in the future. Um, there's one part that takes place in the near future. There's one in ancient, uh, ancient Japan, and uh, they all have their different gameplay hooks, um, which is really interesting. It's not at all what I was expecting. I was expecting kind of like an Octopath Traveler almost. Um, where okay. you know the eight different characters kind of all come together at the same time, but that's that's not actually how it how it works. Um, they all they're all kind of insulated stories that have like a broader theme, uh, and it's really interesting. Um, I like really a like Chrono Trigger. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, Chrono Trigger esque, yeah. But again, okay. they, the 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 characters don't like ever meet each other, know each other, or party up. Gotcha. Um, but it, but yeah, it's it's really neat because uh, one of the the modern day, they all have the like I said, they all have their separate game gameplay things that happen in the thing. Um, so the Wild Western one has like a like a kind of a strategy part to it, and oh, the battle system is is also. Uh, happens takes place on a grid and you have have abilities that you use that uh you know will hit different spots on the grid based on on what you're doing um and the, so the wild west has like a strategy one where you have to protect this tavern from outlaws and then the the modern day one is like a uh it's like street fighter almost it's completely different than anything else That's that happens in the game. Especially... It's, it's so it's so weird, but it's so interesting at the same time. So, especially for a game that came out in '94, it was definitely yeah, it was definitely uh, ahead of its time. I think because those gameplay elements like translate really well to now, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but so, so I mean, some of that stuff's timeless. Like I've been playing Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. Um, that game still holds up today, you know. So. Yeah. So that uh, was really neat. Is it a full price game on Switch? It's fifty. It's forty nine ninety nine. Okay. So with modern touches or is it just basically a yeah. port? Yeah, it's it's got modern touches. All the all I don't know what the menus look like like back then. Um, but they're they're all like updated and modern. You can save at any point. I don't know if that was a thing for the original. Because like I said, the original never never came out of Japan, so Yeah. But cool. it's uh, definitely worth looking into. Um, I've never played anything like that. I can confidently say that. I played... Oh, I talked about Lawn Mowing Simulator. Uh, I was kind of bored one night, and I wanted to try something different, something mindless. Uh, so I played Lawn Mowing Simulator. It's really good. Um, for, again, that kind of... Uh, mindless gameplay loop. Um you know, it brings me back to the old golf course days of sitting on a mower for endless hours and just driving along. Uh, it was a little hard for me, though, because my I have a wired controller that I use for uh, PC games with a controller, and yep. it, it's starting to drift a lot. So my lines were kind of always wavy because of the controller drift. I had to accommodate for that. So it wasn't quite as enjoyable as it, as it normally would have been. Uh, I've got to get a new... A new controller for my computer. So, can I ask a stupid question? Go for it. When you say drift, does it just mean like one of the thumbsticks just like drifts in one direction on its yep. own? Yep, off okay. to the left. All of my Xbox controllers are doing that now. Huh. I wonder if it's a software issue or something. Well, I mean, I don't know how durable these things are, but I drop them a lot, which uh. probably has something to do with it. I mean, I wouldn't think um, so. Not if all of them do it. Yeah, all, it's all the left thumbstick on all yeah. three of my Xbox controllers. Do it. It's got to be software because that's what happened. That's what happened to mine too. Hello, and we're frozen. Oh, Hello. Hello. Sorry. Oh, no problem. Uh, 
Discord just quit on me for no reason. <laughs> yeah, Discord's not my favorite. That's for sure. Um, are we still going? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just asking, uh, how do I fix the software issue on the controller? Can I? Uh, yeah, so you can update the firmware on them. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how to do that exactly in the in the Xbox thing, but I would assume because it's it, my left thumbstick is the one that does it too. Um, it drifts left, I think. It's been a while since I've used it, but mm. All right. that's definitely annoying. It, well, it's certainly annoying when you're trying to break down spaceships. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and, your, and your guy keeps flying backwards. Yeah, because uh, it's that started. It started for me towards the end of my uh, Elden Ring. Playing. Oh, okay. So I just thought I damaged it from you know mashing on the controller from playing Elden Ring. Yeah, I I always assumed it was just for me dropping it and or playing. Rocket League and jamming on the thumbstick yeah. so much. So there was that. I played uh, a little bit more Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Valhalla. I'm still working on that one. I'm playing Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster. Uh, I'm actually doing that on Rated G Games. I'm almost done with that one. Uh, Cult of the Lamb. Cult of the Lamb is really good. It's uh, It's an indie cult simulator type of game. It reminds me a little bit of Don't Starve. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of how it plays. So, you know, you have your home screen where you're, you know, making your cult, where you're, you know, putting together your buildings, managing, managing your, your cult members, uh, all that stuff. But then it has uh, a roguelike sort of dungeon battle system um, where you go into randomized dungeons to complete different objectives and stuff. So... Uh, that game's also really good. Uh, I'll is have... it as hard as Don't Starve? It's, I don't think it's as hard as Don't Starve, no. Okay. Um, don't Starve... I want to say Don't Starve... The, the reason why Don't Starve is so difficult is because it doesn't really tell you anything. Yeah. Uh, whereas that's not the case with, with Cult of the Lamb. Okay. Cult of the Lamb kind of guides you through it. You kind of are always moving forward to... Uh, in you know, in my experience with that, I'm, I'm probably close to being done with that one. That one's another one I'll have. To, I've got to just sit down and, and finish one day. And then uh, one last game is this is an Eric recommendation actually, and that's Retro Bowl on uh, mobile devices. There's I think there's a couple of different places you can play. I know it's on Switch, but I played it on on uh, on my phone. It's a football game essentially. You pick a NFL team to play and manage and it's it's basically uh tech mobile but with some modern touches um you make roster cool. movements yeah <coughs> excuse me you make uh roster adjustments up upgrade uh level up your players it doesn't use actual players but you can edit them to be actual players uh for your team especially um it's it's really good it's free on iOS. There's a couple small upgrades you can do if you want, but that's that's also one. It's probably the mobile game I played the most of in a long time. Looks like you can just play it in a browser too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm playing crazy. it right now. That's okay. crazy. Don't you love? Don't you love the present? Yeah. Um. So that's really all I've been playing. I'm looking forward to Mario and Rabbit Sparks of Hope is coming out next week, so I'll be getting that. Ooh, is that? 
just like the other one? Yeah, it's supposed to be the same. Same gameplay type, but it's supposed to be like uh, a little more expansive, I guess. Nice. I might need to get that. Yeah. Um, that's going to be buy. I'll probably, I'm going to think I'm going to do that also on rated G games. So sparks of hope. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I didn't know that was coming out. I, I was going to ask, um, at some point, Dan, while we were recording this, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of games are coming out that you're looking forward to? Cause again, I'm out of the loop. I have yeah. no idea about any of this. So I'm like, yeah. Curious. Um. Well, I I'm getting Mario and Rabbids. There's a bunch of other games that I want to get. I don't know if I'm going to get them right away. A because of time, and B because of money. Uh, the with the cost of food and fuel nowadays, uh, feeding a family yeah. of seven is it's very expensive. So, uh, not as much uh, disposable funds. But I I, I do I'm going to get Bayonetta three at some point. That's coming out very soon. Uh, I think if that comes out in two weeks. Uh, I'm going to get Persona five. For the Switch, that's coming out soon. Oh, I have a list, actually. Call it up. Um, Are there any big, uh, like, RPGs coming out this fall? Uh, Harvestella. What the heck's that? That's the, that's the Square Enix one, the farming one. Oh, yeah. And then Tactics Ogre Reborn comes out in November, too. That's what's on my list. Wait, is Harvestella out already? No, um, November 4th. PC? I don't think so. It has an initial it... release date, September 13th. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's early access. I have November 4th written in my notes, but maybe it came out early. I don't know. I think this might just be wrong. Oh, baby. November 4th, huh? Yep. So that's that's a hopefully buy, but again, it it depends on a lot of things. Yeah, so. the, uh, I was just thinking that it's one of those games that could be awesome, but it could also totally suck. Yep, it looks good, but um, Square Enix actually has a lot of wild RPGs coming out, a lot of them, and a lot of them look really good. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Nice. Okay, well, you've got yeah, you got me. Uh... Two games, at least, I'm interested in. Marion Rabbids and uh, Harvestella. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our weeks, and then we'll we'll call it an episode. I should say our months. Uh, I'll go first. So, Hit it. a couple things. First of all, uh, a very recent update is that we now have fiber in our household. Fiber yeah. internet. It's been great to be out from underneath the thumb of Spectrum, Time Warner. It's the first time since I moved out on my own that, you know, I haven't needed to pay Spectrum and or Time Warner for their services. Um, or so, lack thereof. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they, the fiber company, it's called Greenlight Networks. They started work in our neighborhood and maybe sometime in the spring. I might have even talked about it on an episode that fiber was coming. And uh, yeah, so they got us all hooked up. It's, it's, so much unbelievably unbelievably crazy fast um it's just more responsive too uh web pages load like immediately even though like our download speed with spectrum was like 200 megabytes uh per second and then the upload speed was like 20 which is abysmal uh but like you know we're now 500 500 500 down 500 up uh the ping is a lot less 
but just the way websites load on my phone, on my computer, it's just so much faster. Like everything loads immediately. I don't know why with 200 megabytes down on Spectrum, it would take 10, 15 seconds for a website to load. Uh, I, I can only imagine throttling. We use a lot of internet in this house, as you might imagine, having you know four children that have good point uh, yeah devices and TVs and, and all that stuff so yeah that could have been why but it, now everything is is super fast and immediate and it's fantastic uh especially for uploading uh that was the primary reason in addition to it being cheaper the upload speed was was the the hook for me uh 20 megabyte or yeah 20 mbps upload speed was it took you know, if I had an hour-long YouTube video that I wanted to upload, it would be like an hour and a half to upload it. Now it takes about ten minutes to upload oh, that, that's awesome. um, which is huge. So that's great. Yeah, um, and it's thirty dollars cheaper a month. So that's great. Yeah, I think I asked you, Dan, um, if there were like local or even state or even federal uh, subsidies for fiber. Uh-huh. I would um, think so. Because the they have all like all their stuff is like brand new, um, but they also I, the company the Greenlight did a lot of utility work in our neighborhood. They installed new utility poles. They were ran, running new electricity lines in addition to the fiber stuff that they were doing. So I, I can imagine maybe that was part of the deal that they had to upgrade some of the infrastructure in our neighborhood. This is this is like a dream come true. Yeah, like this is what we've been talking about for decades like two yeah. decades literally oh, yeah. Yeah, having having at least one other option you know yeah. um that's, that's amazing but yeah I, I mean i see them all over the the green light vans installing people's internet uh, people have been wanting to get away from spectrum forever around here so yeah so it's great that's sweet uh cool. i do have to improve my wi-fi because that's that's the only thing kind of holding it back i have a mesh wi-fi system but i want to wire all the individual uh, nodes to make it just you know that that much faster because uh, I still have a couple like deadish spots in my house that the Wi-Fi doesn't doesn't penetrate all that well so I think having the the mesh routers will having mesh wi- routers wired will will help a lot with that. That's a that's a career you should get into, Dan. Home What's networking. That? Yeah, I mean, I, the the problem is is it's a pain in the you know what's yeah it is but but i think that's why there's so much value in having a skill set that can troubleshoot that stuff yeah you know? yeah absolutely um because i i hate dealing with that stuff and anytime you call your service provider they're not helpful not, not helpful at all yeah uh, if you do get someone to come out to the house there's no guarantee they have any idea of what they're doing right um and I don't know. It's just like the idea of knowing that there's a Wi-Fi home network specialist in my area that will come out and do a free consultation. You know, like that just sounds really great to me. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I am uh, working towards a career currently. Um, so we went to Florida over the summer. I'll talk about that in a minute. But right after we got back, I started working on the Google certificate for UX UI design. And I've been doing that for almost two months now. So I'm getting close to the end. I'm about halfway through course six. There's seven courses. Um, 
So as soon as I'm done with that, I'm going to hopefully start applying for UX, UI design jobs. Uh, remote, of course, because I have, I have, you know, kids that are homeschooled and one yep. that's too young for school anyway. So um, hopefully that's going to be my, hopefully I can get something before Christmas. That would be nice, but, it, you know, eventually. Uh, so I've been working on, you know, my portfolio and a couple side projects. I kind of, I did a redesign of the Nintendo Switch UI um, that I still have to work on, but it's, you know, it's fun. I actually enjoy the design work yeah. quite a bit. That's sweet. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, over the, over the summer, we went to, we went to Florida, uh, at the end of August, uh, we needed a vacation big time. Um, and you know, we're, we've been trying to move to Florida for a couple of years now. We're still working on that. We have less than a year until my deadline to move to Florida where, um, my, I always, when we first decided we were going to move, we, I said Florida by 40. So I turned 40 next September. Um, and it, you know, if, if it hasn't happened at that point, I, I told, you know, my, my household that, uh, I'm just going to get in the car. If, if I'm 40 and we're still here the day I turn 40, I'm just going to get in the car and <laughs> drive South. Uh, I told them yeah. they're all welcome to come with me, but I'm, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going to um, get a, you're going to, you're going to go for a pack of cigarettes. And, exactly. Uh, <laughs> or a, ga- a gallon going. of milk. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, that's part of the reason why I decided to, to do the UI UX design, uh, stuff so I can have, more income right really that's that's the limiting yeah. factor uh you know my wife has has been looking for administration jobs in in florida but there's not as many because the schools are are by county instead of by locality um so there's fewer administration positions down there but she still you know applies occasionally for for ones that pop up now is not a good time for that because the school year kind of just started uh after uh, christmas yeah, yeah. there's usually more stuff so uh, but it'll be easier if I have something too, you know. Then she has a wider variety of options. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the things that you know, uh, I was a little bit worried about was what was summer going to be like in in Florida because you know a lot of people say it's uh, unbearably hot, but uh, I did not find that to be the case when we were down there. Uh, I loved the heat. It was in the mid nineties every day. Uh, feels like, I think 109 was the highest feels like temperature. Um, and I just loved every second of it. It was so nice. <laughs> so, um, so I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that doesn't particularly enjoy the heat. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like today it's, uh, or yesterday, yesterday was beautiful, but today it's going to be like 60 and sunny. And that's, that's my ideal weather. Right. Um, just cool and, and really sunny, but I was talking Speaking of being sweaty in Florida, I was talking to somebody about it and he described it pretty well. He was like, yeah, you know, like it does suck and you're all sweaty and nasty, but then you realize everyone else is sweaty and nasty too. And you just stop caring. I'm yeah. Like, oh, it's kind of a good way to put it. Like everyone's yeah. got swampy butt cheeks right now, you know, yeah. it's just, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, we, you know, my wife has talked to some of our friends that live down there, you know, for suggestions and stuff for places to look for, for you know living accommodations and stuff and they they all say like it's really hot in the summer and people don't do a lot in the summer uh but if you have a pool you know it doesn't really matter and uh you know they're like which do you prefer do you prefer the three months of it being unbearably hot outside or do you prefer four or five right exactly four or five months of unbearable cold and snow it's like you know pick your poison 
Uh, yeah. You know, my choices has been made up for a while now. Um, but it was like, it was hot, like unlike of anything I've ever felt, you know, being uh, a New Yorker, a lifelong New Yorker. Um, but it was, it, I, uh, I just, I like close my eyes now that, you know, we have cold nights and stuff right now. Uh, it's been decent, but I close my eyes and just picture, you know, getting out of the car for the first time when we got there and just the, the feeling of the heat and just let the, let the warmth flow over my body. It's going to, it's going to keep me going through this winter anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I just wanted to throw in one more, uh, uh, positive aspect of, of Florida. Cause we were down early this year just to mm. visit family quickly, but, um, we were really surprised by how nice everyone was yeah. and friendly and which people say like, Oh, like Southern hospitality, yada, yada, yada. I've never really thought of, I mean, Florida is definitely a Southern state. I'm not, sure. I'm not an idiot, but I've never thought of Florida as like a Southern hospitality type state in the same way. Like maybe Georgia is or right. like Louisiana or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like everywhere we went, like even fast food, like, it felt like people wanted us to be nice and, and or wanted us to be happy. And for that reason, everyone was nice to us, you know, yeah. like it was just such a different mindset that I wasn't used to. I mean, granted we're coming out of COVID um, and everybody is miserable in New York during COVID because yeah. highly restricted and didn't get to see people and everybody's outlets were just basically non-existent. Yeah. Uh, so I think that had a lot to do with it, but um, I don't know. It was just nice to be in an environment where everybody was just like happy, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, weird. I, you know, I was talking to my wife about it and when we were down there, there's just energy, right? Yeah. There's no, nobody has any energy here. Everyone walks around like a zombie all the time. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me of the beginning of Shaun of the Dead where everyone's just kind of going through the drudgery of their everyday life. And I know we were kind of in a tourist area, but we spent some time outside of the, cause we, we right. rented a condo uh, or a, yeah, a condo right on the beach. So we were yeah. like 10 steps from the beach. Um, but you know, when we were not in those areas, when we were, you know, either traveling or, you know, we had to shop and stuff like there's energy and, and optimism there that, that isn't here. You know, everyone, right. like I said, just walks around like a zombie and uh, it's terrible. It's very, very, yeah. very, um, it weighs heavily on the, the mental fortitude. It does. And mental health is as important, if not more so than physical health. So, yeah. Right. So there's that. Uh, but the, the vacation was amazing. Um, the, uh, the ocean water, uh, I will always swear by the healing powers of, of the ocean. Um, so my, my youngest has like really bad, uh, like eczema and dry skin, uh, all of his like legs and lower back. So we, you know, we have to constantly like put lotion on him and stuff. Uh, a couple days of being in the ocean, just a little bit completely healed his skin. Um, of course, now that we're back, it's it's back to being bad and, and like scabby again. Uh, I know my skin has never felt better than than when I was down there. Um, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, the, it, it was weird, too, because I'd only ever been south in like the fall or very, uh, you know, like late winter, like November or November to February is usually, you know, when we would go on vacation. Um, so I'd never been down there. But to walk into the ocean and have it feel like warm was weird at first. Um, but once you get used to it, it's, it's glorious. And I could have just sat in the ocean and floated from dawn until dusk every single day. 
Oh, it's glorious. I like I like what salt water does to my hair. Yeah, every like everything. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, you know, I have like really. I kind of have for the most part my skin's good, but I have really dry elbows um, yeah. and ankles, and that was all gone. All my skin was like glowing, and I don't know. It's unbelievable the difference. But yeah, um, enough about Florida. I just. And again, part of the reason why I wanted to do the career thing is I'm I'm desperate at this point to to get down there and get out of the misery that is New York and upstate New York specifically. So, what do you got going yeah. on, Corey? Um. Oh boy. Yeah. What What did you say? Six months was our last podcast. Yeah, um, roughly. I don't know. Not nothing too exciting. I do want to talk a little bit about House of the Dragon mm-hmm. and rings of power uh two big big shows that are airing at the same time house of the dragon on hbo rings of power on amazon prime um i think i know your feelings on house of the dragon dan mm-hmm. uh i love i love it i think you love it too oh, yeah. right yeah uh, i definitely. know you're not not watching rings of power yet, not yet. right not yet okay. correct um i really like rings of power mm-hmm. and i know a lot of people don't and I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time figuring out why. Um, like I kind of get the arguments, but I also just like I don't care about the arguments that exist. And I don't sure. know what you've read, Dan. I know I've heard you say like, "Oh, I've heard mixed things," um, but I just didn't know like what your your opinion of it is as someone who hasn't seen it yet. So. I mean, I, 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 you mentioned specifically the Eric Kane article uh, about how, or yeah. him talking about how he, how he doesn't like it. He, he specifically hates the writing in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did read his piece on that. And I, while I un- understand where he's coming from, I think for me, it's just going to be, for, for me, it's more, I, I want to see what the past was like in Middle mm-hmm. Earth, right? I don't have expectations necessarily. Uh, I kind of just want to see some of the historical events that happen, some of the places that, as long as that's interesting, I th- I think I'll enjoy the show. Yeah, and I think that for me, that's what I most enjoy about it is like I don't I don't have this affinity for the lore. I'm not super attached to to all of it. I think most of that stuff is overblown anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote four books, right? Yeah, I mean, and the you know the additional stuff but the additional i mean most of that stuff was done by his compiled estate. later yeah like I, I mean people get so attached to that stuff and i'm like it a lot of that stuff first of all a lot of that stuff didn't come from from tolkien um some of it was kind of pieced together from his notes and and okay but like i don't know i just like why are you so caught up on the the canon and like changing um those the aspects of that story when a lot of that stuff wasn't particularly solidified until after the fact anyway um but yeah it's just to me it's just it's cool to see like these characters that we know right galadriel elrond from the movies and the books um a couple others i we don't want to get into spoiler territory so I, i won't bring it up but um yeah, it's just cool to see all that stuff. And with the budget being what it is, like half a billion dollars for this first season, I think. Or maybe it's first season and part of seasons two, two I'm not sure. Um, the budget really shows. And, and to me, it's just like 
it's fun to see that stuff. Like, yeah. Is the writing bad? Yeah, probably. There's some really cringy lines. There's one line delivered in the finale that we just watched where my wife like laughed out loud at, and it wasn't a laugh. It wasn't supposed to be a laughable moment, but the writing was so bad that that it was kind of laughable. Right. Um. But I guess if that's the most important thing to you for the show, then okay, like then your concerns are valid. But to me, there's so much else to to sink your teeth into and enjoy. Um, and, and the budget is a big part of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with spending way more money than is necessary to build these beautiful sets and have these beautiful computer generated graphics and have these beautiful costume designs and like, um, just the time and energy that went into the details. Granted, you might have issues with the details. They're still details and I still think they're cool. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's just, it's just really neat to see all that come together. And, yeah. And there I, is, there's a lot to enjoy outside of the writing. I think I'm going to go into it just looking for the spectacle, really. Like, yeah. um, exactly. I, I don't have any expectations for it. Like I said, uh, I did have expectations for house of the dragon, um, yeah. having, you know, so recently become a, a Game of Thrones fan and, and recently coming off the last few seasons. Uh, but I, you know, no expectations for rings of power. You know, I haven't watched Lord of the Rings and God knows how long. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to, yeah, be entertained and have a, see a spectacle. I'm not, not looking for the same things that I am from house of the dragon and Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. Um, it sent me down, uh, Pat, uh, like, a. uh, Lord of the Rings rabbit hole of mm-hmm. like watching lore videos and stuff and learning more about the universe. There's a lot. There is a lot. I messaged you guys um, the other day. I found this fascinating, but Gandalf is actually a carrier of one of the rings of power in the trilogy. And I never oh. realized that. Um, I think most people didn't know that. So yeah, just like learning about this stuff is, is really kind of fascinating and, um, the world building aspect is is something I really appreciate. But yeah, yeah, I, I want to say it was a couple of years ago. I went down the rabbit hole of reading passages about old ancient characters and you know monsters and stuff. Like uh, you familiar with? I think it's Ungoliant. Sounds familiar, but Ungoliant Ungoliant was a giant giant spider that lived. I don't know at what period of of Middle Earth, but. Uh, Shelob is actually, I believe, a spawn of Ungoliant. Uh, Shelob oh, okay. was was big, but Ungoliant was supposed to be like building sized giant spider, like huge. Neat. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, you um, should definitely go and read some some passages on like the Lord of the Rings wiki, and uh, you know the because uh, Sauron is actually the second Dark Lord. He was not the first one. I don't know if it talks about that in Rings of Power at all. Well, I didn't know he's like the same, not the same species, but from the same species as Gandalf. Yeah, the Maiar. Is that what they're Maiar, called? Maiar, yeah. But then there's an Istar version and then whatever Sauron. Like there's, there's just so much. Yeah. Um, I probably butchered that, but uh, that's all right. Yeah, I think um, Melkor was the first Dark Lord, if I remember correctly. It's been a few years since I've done that. but Well, there's, isn't there like Morgoth too? Isn't that Morgoth? One? Maybe it's Mar- Morgoth. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and and if if you're the least bit interested in the lore, like you're still going to enjoy the show. It might not be the same lore you know and love, but like just try to go into it with an open mind and not yeah. get too caught up. Just because the show exists doesn't mean the 
the books and the the background information doesn't exist anymore. You know, you, right. can, you can separate the two, compartmentalize, and try to enjoy them both. And if you don't enjoy them both, then just ignore the one you don't enjoy. You know, it's just yep. don't get too caught up in this stuff. It it you mentioned the Eric Kane piece, Dan. Um, he's a reviewer that I've followed for probably 10 years now. Yeah. Um, just because our opinions align pretty well on, on most games. And so I take his opinions to heart a lot of the time, but I, I think he's wrong on um, rings of power. I really mm-hmm. do. Yeah. His stuff comes up in my Google newsfeed a lot. That's, that's how I, I read it. I didn't, I, cause I <laughs> same, same way. I, I usually like his takes on, on games is he's usually, uh, he seems to be more thoughtful than a lot of, uh, a lot of the other game reviewers out there. So yes, I agree. Um, one last thing, though, I just wanted to throw out because it, I do have a, a criticism of Rings of Power, and right. that's the gratuitous violence. I, it's just unnecessary. I don't get it. I really right. don't. Like, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, I think it's tough for me because I don't see it as that. I don't, it, first of all, it doesn't add anything to the show, the gratuitous violence, the up close, nasty, gory things. Like, um, to me, that's not part of lord of the rings like that wasn't how the books were written you know they weren't written with gratuitous gross details and stuff like that um the the movies were also not that way i mean some people get but it wasn't yeah they would get chopped up but it didn't show it that much you know just be someone getting an arm lopped off or a head lopped off and to me, it just feels like a response to a Game of Thrones or something like that. And 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 for that reason, it fails for me. But right. again, like, hey, it's part of the craft. Uh, they do a good job with it. It's just I'm kind of squeamish, so I don't like to see that stuff. Um, so it's um, maybe I'm a little biased, but it just seems really unnecessary here. Mm-hmm. Uh, House of the Dragon, just quick, Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great show uh i don't think i like it as much as of as game of thrones but it's not i mean it's not a pissing match it's it's great in its own right there's yeah. a lot to love um i just really wanted to talk about it because i thought Viserys, um patty constantine's performance in the most recent episode was amazing yeah oh spectacular um, i totally agree i hope he wins an emmy for it because yeah. that was that was awesome that yeah. last episode especially him it was it, the episode was hard to watch, but in a good way, right? Yes. Um, that's yep. that's the best way I can describe it. Hard to watch, but in a good way. Uh, for those that don't know, it's episode eight that we're talking about specifically. If you listen to this like later or whatever, uh, you know the episode nine is traditionally the you know where everything happens uh, for the season, where all the events come to unfold. Uh, episode ten is usually like a setup for the next season. Um, so you know. I, I I agree with you. I think I like Game of Thrones ultimately better. I do really like House of the Dragon. It's it's more focused, right? So we're kind of uh, my wife and I are kind of rewatching Game of Thrones because it's been probably a couple years since we rewatched Game of Thrones. Uh, so we're kind of rewatching at the same time, and you know that bounces all over the place. It tells stories all over the place, whereas this is it, it's more focused, you know, on the yep. the Targaryens and what's happening right in and around King's Landing. Uh, it it will broaden. Uh, I, I should say I know the story of of what happens. I I listened to the the history book, uh, the history audio book, so I I do know the story. Um, so it's it's just been really interesting for me to see how they fill in because it's. It's a history, right? So the, all the details aren't there of the conversations that happened, and um, it was mostly the history book was written after the after the fact, right? Where then they 
compiled first-hand accounts of what happened and you know you don't know if so, which accounts are true which ones are not true um so it's it's nice for me to see that all those details filled in right yeah um but yeah i'm i'm really enjoying it so far uh it's 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 about to get wild yeah i will say most of it's been um uh most of most of the the conflict and stuff is was was you know, but behind the scenes and and uh, assumed, I guess. Uh, but it's it's things are going to get crazy because, again, like I said, I, I I know the story, so yeah, good stuff though. tonight. Yeah, tonight tonight's episode nine. Then then uh, the finale will be next week, and then who knows how long we have to wait for season two. Well, I, that's what I think. Two years uh, for the next Rings of Power season. Oh, geez. Yeah, like ugh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it stinks. I mean, I'll I'll wait obviously, but I don't want to. <laughs> right. So, uh, anything else, anything else you want to talk about, Corey? Not really. Got the important stuff out of the way. Yeah, I think I think we covered just about everything we wanted to cover for you know having missed a few few months anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So who knows when we're going to be able to record again? I, I'd like to. If not every week, maybe at least every other week. Uh, I will want to do an episode on Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, really looking forward to that game coming out. But it probably won't be next week eh, because the game doesn't come out until Thursday. So I'll probably want a little ask, more yeah. time with that. So, so uh, the 20th, is that Thursday? Yeah, that's yep, Thursday. Thursday. All right. Any other thoughts, Corey? No, that's it. All right. That'll do it for episode 509 of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. I'm your host, Dan. I'm Corey. Thanks for listening, and get out of my basement.